Welcome to Married and Having Fun. We're your hosts, Kathy and JC. Kathy here. I'm 46. I've been married for 25 years to my main squeeze. I'm JC. I'm 33, married to an awesome pastor of six years. It's my second marriage. We have seven kids between our awesome families. On this podcast, we will share all of the ups, downs, and emotions around marriage and all the things in between. If you know what I mean. Sit back, laugh, cry, and enjoy. This is Mary and having fun. Well, hello. Hey. We're back. We are back. How are you, Kathy? Yay, finally. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm, well, I'm not I, good. But I I'm... know. I should say great. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> At this moment, being with you, I'm great. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to bring an episode to you um, in light of everything that's going on in the world. Yes. Um, we, I think we've been friends for almost 12 years. Is that what Facebook said? I think so. Yeah, I think I, it was. Cause we were saying nine, but apparently we I, knew each other and kind of, I mean, we didn't hang out, but then like, but we knew each other. Yeah. 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 I think so. Probably. That's probably what it is. Yeah. It's been, a, it, it, we have been friends for a while. Yeah. And out of all 12 years, um, I don't, I can't recall a time where race was ever an issue. No. No. I mean. Well, never, no, it was never an issue. Yeah, I've never, I mean, we've been such good friends and sharing things and mm-hmm. even like going through the valleys together. Yeah. I'm like, I just, <laughs> um, but race is an issue in our country. Yes, it is. Hmm. Oh, we did have that one time in Hawaii. Yeah. (laughs) My jealousy. (laughs) So we're in Hawaii and JC, anytime her, they, she saw black people or they see each other, they're just like, Hey, like, yeah. Like we give each other the head nod. Like, yeah. You know, like, Hey, (laughs) It was, was just, like, Dang. it was cool to just be like so far away from home, like in Hawaii vacationing and like just bumping into other black people. And you're like, yeah, you're yeah. here. I'm here. Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm here. Hey, everybody. <laughs> but you know what? I know what's so neat about that too. It's like, there is things within cultures and different things where it's, it's, it's cool. You yeah. know what I mean? That's like yeah. a neat thing. Like, yeah. and I don't know, it was, it was cool for me to see that too. It was, it was, and I learned from that, you know, it was neat. Yeah. You, oh, what? I have one more thing. Yeah. Hair. Oh yeah. Hair. I changed my hair I, a lot. I know. And it makes me so jealous. I'm like, <laughs> if I went out in a wig, people would be like, what the heck are you doing? Even if it looked good, I think. Yeah. You do talk <laughs> but about I'm that. Like, I do. I would love, I went into a store and I was looking at all the wigs and all the hair pieces and I was like, if only. If only. I don't know. Maybe I should try it anyway. But yeah, you get to change your hair all the time and we go away and I have to, mine is more, I don't know. I just always loved how you and Stephanie and your hair and you can shave your head and look good. <laughs> Well, that's because you guys are beautiful. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, I do thank you for checking in on me for the, you know, these last few weeks and just being there and being a friend. Um, have you seen the video of George Floyd? I saw it and yeah, and it was absolutely awful and it, it's I I don't even I've never wanted to see it again. Yeah, I think the things that that was most it's, shocking to me, um, of course, him saying I can't breathe. That's like yeah. 
N- knowing knowing he was dying. Yeah. It's like it's it's so it's just so it's so disturb it's just so awful. Yeah. And then him calling me. out for his mom was just what? horrific. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I think for me it's just um like I remember being on the playground in fourth grade and plummeting, like punching this boy's head in the ground. <laughs> Just because he said, he he made a comment about my mom and like, I was fine. My mom was dead at the time, but I was fine. But a kid said, Ooh, like JJ, you shouldn't say anything about her mom. Like her mom died. And that was what like made me angry. And I remember jumping on him and punching him. And, but I like stopped myself and immediately like felt remorse. Like when I saw the, the fear in his face and like, you know, that. I was really hurting him. I felt so bad. And I was like, JJ, I'm so sorry. Like I couldn't continue. Mm. And it's just, I don't know. It's, I I don't know. I think (sighs) humanity is what's at stake here. Um, Yeah. I just, (sighs) so, I wanted to just have a episode dedicated to um, feelings in the black community, feelings, um, because I found for myself that this particular incident has brought up a lot of issues for me, Um, Mm -hmm. my own prejudice against, um, I'll just say people that have run-ins with the law. my own bias, um, thinking that I'm in my bubble and things can't happen to me or my family, but, um, that's not true. And, um, I'm, I'm glad that the world is kind of taking a front row seat. Um, I hate that it's at, at the expense of George Floyd's life. Yeah. But, Um, but I'm glad that we are now having these real conversations. Um, I think a lot, a lot more hearts are open, um, Mm -hmm. than they were before. Um, but the biggest thing that I feel is that, um, in order to change things, I, I feel, and you can tell me if you agree or not, that, um, it will take more white people taking responsibility and doing self introspection. Mm. <laughs> How do I say mm-hmm. that word? Um, <laughs> Intro- yes. Yes. To look into oneself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because we were because we were kind of were talking about this earlier. It's like, you know, you've taught you said you've had your own prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um I've had mine own, you know, you don't, um, it can be, it can be to white people, black people, any, Mm -hmm. any people, um, that come up, but when it comes up, what do you do with it? It's kind of like, um, cause you know, I don't, I mean this and this whole thing that's gone on and all the different things, it's, it's made me think it's made me understand better. Mm -hmm. Um, just listening to people. Um, like we were talking about, um, it was that TikTok you posted. Oh yeah. And it was about the house. What is it? She's like the, somebody said, my house is on fire. Can you help my house? Yeah. And they're the other person was like, well, I got a house too. You're going to help my house. They're like, well, your house isn't on fire. (laughs) My house is on fire. Yeah. And it was just, it was a funny thing, but it was also a a way to be like, yeah, we need to look at what is going on here. Yeah. And, and the black lives do matter and all that. And it's, 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 I I think that that statement is just so, it's like, seems to be so controversial and, but it, it's just saying that they matter. Not that they're more important. It's just, no, they matter. (laughs) 
And yes, they do. And and there is prejudice. There's been racism. There has been um, injustice. And and there's definitely that it is time to listen and time to change this. Yeah, I do have a quote um, before we go to our next segment. I have a quote that I wanted to read by one of our friends that's in our friend circle. And you know her. She just doesn't want me to say her name. Um, okay. <laughs> she, she doesn't like uh, attention, really. But um, I wanted to read this because she reached out to me and checked in on me um, this morning. She just said I was on her heart, me and my family. And um, I just started thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why are you checking on me? Like, I should be checking on you. She is a black police officer. And um, a few years ago, she left her and her husband both left um, being cops on the streets. And she works. um, She's in eternal affairs. So um, she really has been working for for change really on the inside. Um, and this is what she said. She said, thank you for saying that. Um, I am praying that no one else gets hurt. I don't want to see any more officers get hurt just as much as I don't want to see any more community members get hurt, but I am grateful for the opportunity for change. These protests have given us, we do need police reform. Me and other officers like me have been working for police reform from the inside, but it's been a slow process. I'm optimistic that some something good can come out of this tragedy, that police reform and um, the changes needed for social equality and human rights will be swifter mm. and met with less resistance. Um, mm. You all stay safe and keep praying. I just... I read that and I was just like heartbroken. I know she's like sometimes probably feels in a catch 22, but um, it's just a reminder that not, not everyone can be put in a box. I know a lot of people feel like they're against the cops right now, but um, there are good cops. There are good people in the world. There are good white people in the world. Yes. (laughs) And yeah, um, and I think that we just need to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, white people more than so than blacks. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, All, right. All right. So I, okay. I have a question though that I, so as, as your white friend, mm-hmm. what can I do? Um, what, what, I mean, I mean, I have, you know, reached out and all that. And I, I have an idea of things, but I'd like to hear from you as me. Yeah. Your white friend, <laughs> my white friend, <laughs> my um, white friend, your white friend, but no, seriously, what that's the better, be- it's better for me to ask instead of wonder or guess, you yeah, know, I, you know, honestly, um, I was a little bit heartbroken today because, um, my husband shared some things in a sermon, well, twice, I had to sit through it twice, that I had never heard. And um, I was surprised that he had never told me that. And I guess that he was not telling me to protect me. But he had told me that on the church property, one of the churches, um, he had actually been in the midst and heard the N-word. And so, yeah. Um, another, it was at a, it was at a fundraiser. They were doing a church fundraiser and somebody said that word. Um, and, and so there was other people around. I don't know how many people heard it, but I know that one person that was sitting, we were having church on the lawn today. And that one person that was sitting kind of like six feet away from me, they also heard it because the person was talking to them. So I was a little bit upset to, number one, just be finding this out from my husband in his message. And then number two, now I know that two people clearly heard it, one of them being my husband. Nobody said anything. Like, nobody addressed it. They just kind of, like, act like, oh, I didn't hear that. And this person expressed to my husband after the sermon, he was like, I know exactly what event you're talking about. I was mortified and, you know just couldn't believe that that person was talking like that. And, um, nobody said anything. And so I think that 
if we're going to see change and if things are going to get better, yeah, I think that it's important for white people to not only check themselves, but check others because you're like right down there say, what, what did you just say? Yeah. Because you're more likely not to get resistance. Like you're more likely you have a, a card that's like a blanket statement pretty much. Like, you know what I mean? Like for you to say to another white person, I didn't appreciate that language. Don't talk like that around me. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just to say, hey, I think that that's wrong. It challenges the other person. If I was to say that, it's like they already they're already using the word because they don't look at me yeah, as they, human. So it's like, yeah. oh, my gosh. So I think just like having the courage to stand. And I'm not saying you have to go around being, you know, the police officer <laughs> right. of words, but just to. You know, even if it's in a gentle way to challenge somebody that, to say, you know, hey, that that comment was a little unnecessary. It was probably it was offensive, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. No. And then also maybe just putting reading. There's so many movies out and um, books and, you know, just taking the time to dedicate yeah. To learn. Um, yeah. I think that's the best way that, um, because the more you know, the more you grow. Yeah. Um, I posted, I've learned, I've read something on Facebook, which, you know, being on social media right now, it's like, I'm not on there a whole lot, but, um, um, but somebody did post about a, a guy, a guy who posted about walking in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It was a black guy. He's like, I don't dare walk by myself I always either have my little dog or my daughter and Mm -hmm. he shares what that his experience is like and it's like oh my goodness yeah I mean even for me I've never had to I've never put myself in a black man's shoes and yeah and I have guilt about that so it's yeah it's a real thing in our nation um yeah but yeah, it, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, do you have any recommendations of books that come to your head or movies that would um, be a good place? There uh, are some books. I can put them in the show links because um, okay. I can't think of the titles right now. But um, movies on Netflix, which are a little bit hard to watch, but um, I love um, When They See Us because that is a true okay. story um, of five young guys who didn't even know each other um they got accused of raping a woman in central park because it was a true story and it happened yeah and um i love selma because that's a true story um about black people fighting for the right to vote um and yeah and then um i feel like i've seen when they see us that's ringing a bell i'm I'm gonna rewatch it though yeah yeah um, and then American Sun, which is a play that was on Broadway, but they turned it into a movie. Um, it was really good and thought provoking. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Put those in the thing, in the notes or whatever. We can all check it out. But there's just, there's been so many emotions. And so on this episode, mm-hmm. um, I'll be interviewing a, a couple, a black couple that's great friends of mine. Um, and just wanted to share like thoughts and emotions um and all the things yeah so yeah not talking about sex today but <laughs> no not today not we'll save today. it we'll save it all up for another day yeah but before we get into <laughs> it we'd love for you on june 20th we yes. are gonna be a part of a online seminar for women. It's, I'm so excited. I know. Um, it's called Do You Have Purpose? And it's yeah. going to be great. There's some great speakers. We're um, a set of speakers and we're looking forward. Yes. Um, we will put the link in the show notes if you'd like to join us on June 20th via Zoom. Yeah. I'm so honored. It's so, I feel so honored that she asked us to be on there. I know. How awesome, right? I, I'm so excited. And we're going to get another ladies' night together. That is going to be fantastic. I hope 
all our listeners join in because it's so much fun. It is. We like just cry and laugh and like, it's just the best. All right. Well, enjoy this episode. (laughs) Welcome. This is JC. I am here with two of my really great friends that I just adore. Jessica Messiah rushing and her husband, Dave rushing. Um, with everything that's going on in the world, I just wanted to gather with some more black people <laughs> and um, just share thoughts and a lot of different things. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? Ugh, it's going. It's going. Thank you all for having me in your lovely home. Anytime. It's beautiful. Always welcome. It's good to see you. Oh, I'm glad. You're part of the building of this home. I know. I remember that. Six long years ago. I know. How long have you guys been married? It'll be six years in October. Six years in October. Awesome. When we decided to start building it, and I said I had things. She remembers all those, like (laughs) in between important dates. So I can be petty and get stuff. And she'll just drop like random trivia on me, like, "Do you know what today is?" And I have to run through my mind, like, "Okay, it's not a birthday. It's not an anniversary. Somebody died." Ugh, you're better than me because I can't even remember our courthouse date. Like I'm like, was it the 22nd? I remember your and then we, I get mixed up. I know y'all were witnesses, and I get mixed up. I was like, is it March? Is it May? Like what happened? So, yeah. Um, we are gonna talk about a lot of different things today. Um, I have been just. We have been on social media. You've been sharing some, Jessica's been sharing some really deep things on social media. And I thought this would be a great time to just get together and talk and share feelings and kind of be in a neutral space um, where we can just say some things. So I want to start off with this post that you shared. Um, it was a white woman who talked about. Um, she went into Target to grab a Starbucks drink and um, she was going out the door. Her and a black guy were going out at the same time and um, the alarm went off. So they looked at each other and the security guard comes over and immediately just tells the black guy, hey, um, let me look in your bag. And she starts to walk away, but then she realizes, wait, why didn't he want to look at my bag or, you know, in my purse? And so she goes back over and she says, do you want to look at my purse? And he's like, no, ma'am, you're fine. You can go. And, um, the conclusion that she came to after talking to the black man is that he asked her, would she have noticed that, um, would she have noticed that if, you know, two months ago and he said, she said, no, um, so that that whole post kind of made me think about the the two words that are being used right now, which is racist and prejudice. Mm-hmm. And um, let's let's unpack those two words. I think, granted, the definition of those two words are not necessarily related. When it comes to our current climate, prejudice is a branch off of the racist tree. Mm-hmm. So. You can't, you can't have prejudice when it comes to different colors of people without having the racial stipulations that come with it. So everybody, I've said it, we've had a conversation about like, we all naturally have a, a racial bias, a, a prejudice where, you know, sometimes it's joking, mm-hmm. um, but it's ingrained in American culture. Black people like watermelon. I know more white people who like watermelon than black people who like watermelon. <laughs> um, black people like fried chicken. Everybody likes fried chicken. Like it's, yeah. it's the fried chicken is a great meal within itself. So even though we did just we did we did literally just down some fried chicken. We did just have fried chicken. Um, <laughs> it was delicious. Harris Peter, six ninety nine. They're not. It's they're so not, good. It's so endorsing. juicy. Uh, they're not endorsing. I'm just saying, <laughs> but I'm no sharing. It's my it's my duty to share good, good. news. It was good. And six ninety nine, you get it. How many pieces? Eight pieces. It's an eight piece. It's a full meal, like <laughs> right, at, right at the teeter. It's juicy and flavorful. It's a great fried chicken. But it's not just black people who like fried chicken. Everybody likes fried chicken. It's 
it's the def- these defaulted assumptions that go with a race. So, you know, white people don't season their food. I like I do know a lot of white people who don't cook well. But I know black people who don't cook well. But I would you, be one of them. But when you look at <laughs> chefs that are all over Food Network and stuff, a majority of these chefs are white chefs. Yeah. And you mean to tell me they've earned Michelin stars and they can't season? So prejudice goes, it goes in a multitude of directions. And that in itself has so many stems and weeds. But you, with the way prejudice works and how we use it in our current climate, it stems off of racism or, or just racial bias. For me, um, like, when I hear the word racist, I literally think of people who outright, like, have hate in their heart, and, like, they show it. Like, they're, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're very vocal about it. So that's, like, in my head, that's my image. But then when I think of prejudice, I'm like, oh, well, we all have some type of preconceived notion about somebody at some point And so I think, you know, yeah, that is in the hearts of anybody. I think what a lot of people are finding hard is to be called a racist. How do you? I think a lot of people are racist. And to your point, there is a connotation when initially when I would think of a racist person, I'm thinking you're in, you know, your clan garb, you're you're riding around putting burning crosses on Mm -hmm. in, in people's front yards. That's what I have always thought of because that's what we see when we, you know, Black History mm-hmm. Month and you think of, you see all of the things that we've gone through throughout history. That's what you assume a racist is. But there are extremes in everything. So when yes. you think of, like, you, when you think of a Christian, you, you might think of a wholesome, you know, what you think of wholesome white Jesus. But, you know, there were Christians who slaughtered and massacred. There are Christians who enslaved. There, mm-hmm. I mean, there are Christians who do bad things too, and it's with all religions. So we yeah. can say there are extremes of racist. There are some really nice racist people. There are. Yeah. I, I, I will, I will. <laughs> there are some some sweet. They'll make you a pie. They'll probably give you some lemonade. Um, and there are some mean racist people that they mm-hmm. won't make eye contact. They don't want to be near you. They'll clutch their purse, but. Racism has its extremes, and racism's racism also has its default, in my opinion, where you are, you can be a default racist and mm-hmm. not know it because no one's there to call you on it, mm. or the people who you are being racist towards don't have enough power, quote, um, to afflict you. So you you can be racist and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, how do you feel about the term? Um reverse racism so i to my understanding of reverse racism it's just me as a it would be me a black an african-american female you are so let's clarify this you are literally an an african-american female so i i like to specify okay we'll take it back i like to specify that so i'm a first generation american Uh, i don't know why i keep like pointing myself like there's a camera (laughs) Um, i'm a first generation american my parents immigrated to america from Ghana, West Africa. So I'm mm-hmm. born, I'm a born American. So yeah. I had to grow up learning to be American, learning, and then also learning to be black. So I clearly call myself an African American because I feel like that breaks, that sep- that separates and also kind of gives me a protection mm-hmm. because I didn't grow up knowing a lot of what is quote unquote black culture. So it's like, oh, you don't know this song? You haven't seen this movie? No, because I'm African. I'm African-American. That's why I wasn't exposed to this. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that all African-Americans are like that. I know, you know, I have cousins who are so in-depth with black American culture that I'm like, wait, how do we come from the same bloodline? But I like to preface that because it lets you understand that I have kind of, I won't say a skewed perspective, but just a different perspective on being black in America because I'm almost an outsider looking in. Yeah. Whereas my husband, uh, who has to keep running up and down the stairs because we have uh, a new baby. Aww. Is she still considered new? She's newish. She, um, she's newish. He is, he is black American. So for as far back as his lineage that he can, can quote, everybody was born here in America. Correct. <laughs> um, do I get to say something now? 
Yeah. Oh, awesome. I didn't know if I was just like a bystander. Or <laughs> um, I want to actually go back to touch on the racism question because um, what happens a lot when my wife and I speak is she just is fully like, she'll just say whatever she's thinking. Yeah. And a lot of times I'll try to like balance it out because um, just want to have a little bit of perspective. So uh, while I will agree that there are probably more racist people in the world that will kind of like line the weeds, so to speak, and try to blend in um, without having to actually acknowledge the fact that they're racist. I think there's an aspect of racism that is subconscious, right? So it's not yeah. practiced. It's just, it's, it's, it's defaulted into mm-hmm. your thought process, your behavior. So for the, the example of the two people walking out of the store at the same time and the alarm going off, like, I don't know, I, this is the first I've heard of that interaction, but let's say that lady noticed, you know, that that situation was happening and was like, oh, well, you know, he probably stole something anyway mm-hmm. and went on about her way. That could be perceived as subconsciously racist because you feel like because of the two variables in the equation, you being a white woman, this being a black man, that you're a racist so superior that you wouldn't, there, there's no, there's no scenario in which you and a black man could be seen as equal in terms of what that situation was. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's not necessarily there's, you know, everyone who's racist is knowledge is, is cognizant of the fact that they're racist. I think mm-hmm. a lot of um, people just, you know, they're taught certain behaviors, taught certain beliefs, mm-hmm. um, certain mindsets, and then, you know, they kind of go through life and they just kind of, they stick with them. Mm-hmm. But it's in a subconscious sense, not necessarily a, I know, like, I'm intentionally being racist in this moment. Um, yeah. Some people just don't know. Um, and I think when you talk about um, ignorance, like, a lot of people, if you call somebody ignorant, like, n- 10, like 11 out of 10 people are going to get offended. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. You, it's very difficult to call somebody ignorant, and they stick around for what follows as in terms of why you feel like they're ignorant. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about ignorance, I mean, that's that's kind of, pointed toward people who may be racist and not even know it because yeah. they haven't taken the time to understand their thought processes, their thought processes and, and their beliefs and the way that they act. So. I totally agree with you. Um, and I, I, I guess within my life and being married to a white man, I've felt that it's like, it's my duty to be like a bridge mm-hmm to people who may have not been around other black people or they don't, um, oh, we have a little baby joining us. (laughs) Um, Or that they don't know, um, they've just never been afforded the opportunity to be in an intimate setting or have a friendship with a black person. Um, So I I felt like that's been like my cross to carry or bear or however Which isn't fair. It, it's not fair but I've kind of accepted it and I walk into it and I'm I'm fine with it I know that like when I walk into a room with my white husband or we go to a function like everybody's watching us we just took a tri- <laughs> we just took a trip yeah yeah we took a trip this weekend to the beach and we're on the beach and like everybody was watching and I told I told my husband I'm like I I'm just tired of it like I just want to go to the beach and like just be yeah. but like they wanted to see how our children were interacting with us and hi mama she's so cute um but they just they wanted to see you know they were curious and I've always like I guess I've always just accepted that and I'm fine with it um but I think what you said is the key almost to maybe helping us move forward a little bit is just stopping and acknowledging that, Hey, maybe my thought process on this situation wasn't quite correct. Um, one of, um, and I think this is the problem in the, I know we're diving in really quick, quick, but one of the problems in the police system, I think, you know, with this officer who had his knee on George's neck, he had been in the force for 19 years. The other three or four, 
they were new. And so, you know, they, a few of them did say something like, maybe we should turn them over. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this, but they felt like they couldn't really speak up. And the one thing that I see is the problem in this situation is even though in that moment they wanted to speak up, they wanted to say something, they couldn't quite do anything about it, but they saw it. And when I was a flight attendant, a lot of people don't know this, you know, it is flight attendants don't just pass out drinks and stuff. They are there for your safety. We go through lots of measurements to keep people safe. But one of the reasons that they do the demonstration for the seatbelt is because when you are in a traumatic situation, you're going to go to what you know most, which is pressing the seatbelt. So if you have seen in your mind, if your mind has seen pick up the seatbelt and pull it, you may remember that when it's time, like if your flight is going down and you're panicked instead of pushing it. So many people push it to try to get it out and they can't get out and they're panicking. And so that's one of the reasons that they do the demonstration so that it's in your mind's view. And so I think, you know, the system within the police force, you know, you have a, some bad apples. There's bad apples everywhere. Like there's extreme races everywhere. Um, you see that so much, it just becomes ingrained in you. And so I'm, even though it has been stressful, this has been a stressful time and I'm breaking out and all this stuff, um, my skin is just a horrible mess. I'm still hopeful that now is the time for change. Yeah. If it, that makes sense. It, it definitely is. I would say it, it, I can say it feels different, but one, I'm not of a gener of the past generation. And I'm sure when people were marching on Washington and, you know, protesting in Selma and you know in Greensboro mm -hmm. people were probably saying this feels different mm -hmm. so you know I've had conversations with people where they say this feels different and I'm like yeah it does but this is the first time I'm having this feeling so yeah. of course it feels different because yeah. it's, it's, it's uncomfortable so but I'm hoping enough of us are charged and upset about it because frankly I have a four-year-old and a four-month-old I don't want in 20 years them to be in the streets protesting this same issue. Yeah. I will be annoyed. I and mean, then how how did we fail again? So I really do hope that this is it. And and I say this is it as a blanket statement because it's not like, oh, we're gonna do everything now, you know, 2021 and we're just gonna have a perfect America. That that's not it, because we would have to I don't know how you'd infiltrate everyone's mind. But I feel like this is definitely the foundation or the refoundation or the improvement of the previous foundation that'll get us to where we need to be in terms of equality and justice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I want to talk about, uh, one thing that you posted, um, and Dave, you can chime in on this too, but, oh, great. <laughs> but you posted, um, a post about being the silent black girl and that like hit me in my gut because, um, as all of these stories are being shared, um, all of these things are coming to light. For instance, um, there was a food hall, Morgan Food Hall in Raleigh. They stood up, someone reported to them that one of, the, one of their vendors, he was a donut person, had posted some racial stuff on his Facebook page. They looked at it and within that afternoon, they terminated his contract. And so, um, you know, their mission statement was, you know, we're bringing people, people are telling their stories through culture and their background through food. Mm -hmm. And so we want everyone to feel comfortable in our food hall, in our food, food hall and all of that. And so when I was reading that, I like literally started to cry, like the emotion came out of nowhere. And I was like, yes, like, you know, I hate that he had to have his contract terminated and he can't serve food there anymore but at the same time I'm like I'm glad that somebody's standing up for what should not be accepted mm -hmm. and um it made me think of um the last time that I like really experienced like blatant like blatant saw somebody's heart we had a friend who worked with my husband um we ended up actually we liked him we um, ended up moving into his neighborhood. Neighborhood. He came over, brought us gifts, like a housewarming gift. We kept his dog. You know, we we were friends. Um, I ended up putting his house on the market, and 
he ended up changing his mind like four days later. He's like, I can't sell it, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And didn't charge him anything or whatever for my time or getting his yard prepared. It was a whole thing. Um, because we were friends. I was like, oh, I won't charge him anything. And literally it was the start of the Black Lives Movement. Um, and I, at the time, I was like, I'm not getting involved in that. <laughs> um, but it was going, you know, it was circulating around social media and he posted on his page, um, if any of the black lives matter people, um, if I come face to face with them, they're getting shot. And if they step on my property, I have more of a reason to shoot them. I wish they would, you know, and, and I was terrified because I had been in his home and I had seen his guns and I'm like, but this man has been in my home and like hugged me and been in my face. And, and I was just so, t I like, I didn't talk about it with anyone, but my, my father, obviously my husband, cause it was his friend, but like, we just quietly defriended him from Facebook. We didn't say anything. Nobody addressed it. It just let it happen. And, um, so for so long, I've been the silent black girl. So like, what do you feel like that's done to you? I, who is this? Um, being the silent black girl has been, it's almost been like an identity character. And I feel like it's part of the reason why I've been able to, no, get it for sure. Thank you. Yeah. You implicated me into being a silent black, you want to be silent? Um, I, I feel like it's because it, it was part of my character and it's part of why I had been able to kind of weave through certain areas that under normal circumstances I wouldn't get into. So I work in marketing. A lot of times, you know, I, I'm on teams where I'm the only black person. I'm mm -hmm. the only black manager. And I used to pride myself on that because other I felt other black girls could look at me, other black women, excuse me, could look at me and say, oh, well, she's there. I can do it too. Yeah. But it's taken a lot of keeping my mouth shut, a lot of someone, you know, disrespecting me or saying something and in the moment you're like, mm, and then later pretty much arguing with yourself and being upset that why didn't I stand up for myself? Yeah. But it, it when I, just like you, when I read that, it hurt because I thought of all of the times that maybe I was in a situation where there was another black person, another black woman, and she was more vocal, not even about black issues, but she was just, you know, louder or slightly more combative or just, you know, spoke her mind. And, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, she's she's a lot. I've heard she's a lot in reference to other people, other black women. And I, I've had moments through these past couple of weeks where I beat myself up and I wish I had said, well, you know, Linda over there is a lot too, but Linda's yeah. a white woman. Yeah. Linda comes into a room and she's loud and she's obnoxious and everybody knows she's there and she's, hey girl, I'm low. And it's like, she's too much to be around. But no one ever says she's a lot. Yeah. But if, you know, she's passionate, she's, passionate, she's <laughs> driven, she's motivated. But you know, if Monique, and that's her name, I'm not trying to like stereotype, her name was actually Monique. If Monique would come in and say something like, oh, I don't agree with us taking this, you know, this direction with the marketing program or doing this. It's like, you know, every time we say something, you know, she, she's just not a team player. Mm. Not a team player. She's on the team. She's a team player. Like, like, and I just think back and I wish I had been confident enough to speak up. But then I, as Jessica, would have not been a team player. I would have been a lot. Every yeah. time you present something to me, then I'm the person. So it's easier to just be in the corner and just, you know, raise your hand when, when addressed. It just, it makes me think of how much of my life as a person, as a professional, as a woman that I lost because I didn't speak up when I should have. I didn't, you know, I didn't allow myself to be me because I was fearful that others couldn't accept me for who I was. Yeah. Which is just me. It's not that because I speak, I'm, I'm speaking like a black woman or I'm behaving black. It's just me speaking up. But if I speak up, you're going to default and categorize me and my response as a black response. When that's yeah. not it, I'm just, you know, speaking my mind, vocalizing myself. So that's something that's really hurt me in the past week where I've been doing self-reflection. I'm like thinking of past scenarios. Like, I wish I had said something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am there as well. Uh, Dave. Yes. <laughs> that's about when you were the silent black girl. <laughs> My time to speak. Um, <laughs> awesome. No, actually, um, 
Yeah, I want to have. I think we all can can share like the sentiment of, of that, um, especially you know those of us who work in corporate spaces um, and have risen to, to certain levels. Um, there's like a Jay Z quote, and I know this is a Christian podcast, but okay. uh, in one of his songs, he says um, it, it's in the middle of one of his, his lyrics, but he's like, "Domino, domino, only spot a few blacks to hire and go." Like literally, mm-hmm. I'm I feel like I'm living that in my life right now as I've kind of advanced in my career. Yeah. But um, in terms of the the asylum thing, I, you and I talked about this, JC, when we spoke on the phone the other day, and that a lot of it is, I think it stems from conditioning. Mm. parents mm. and through no fault of their own but you know the generation like my dad was born in when I date him I'm sorry dad if you listen to this but he was born <laughs> in 47 mm-hmm. 1947 so he's 73 years old he has seen so much in his lifetime um and my mom was born in, in 55 so you know they've lived through like the, the really dark yeah. era of, of America for for black people brothers and I were coming up, I'm the youngest of three, uh, there were certain things that we weren't allowed to do, certain situations we weren't allowed to find or put ourselves in, because if, if something went sideways, you know, more than likely we'd be left holding the bag, so yeah. to speak. So, um, I know we talked about, <clears throat> talked about the, That's she. <laughs> talked about the, the black tax, like, mm-hmm. you have to do things twice as well yes compared to a white counterpart to make just to just to prove yourself like worthy of being there there yeah right? like let alone like your actual ability and your talent like just to be able to be in the room um you have to present yourself twice as, as well or to speak twice as well yeah so i think a lot of that comes from um just like our parents just wanting the best for us and telling us teaching us the best way that they knew how for us to be able to be to succeed and not be seen as a threat or like like them yeah you know? yeah like, like the rest of them so uh, i think i told you about this like there's there's a there's a story there was a good friend of mine we were in high school uh seniors in high school i was going out for my first job um, a walmart opened up in town and he had gone out ahead of me and he applied and was basically hired mm-hmm. within the first two interviews and he went i asked him i would always ask like hey how did you dress Mm-hmm. So I know how I need to kind of prepare myself. He said, oh, I just went, you know, like polo and some jeans, you know, mm-hmm. some Nikes. So I was like, cool, because I hate dressing up anyway. So yeah. I don't really like suits and, and button downs and all that. I like being comfortable. Yeah. Um, much to my wife's dismay. Mm. <laughs> but I was like, cool. So I put on, even then, I put on a button down or a button up. It was untucked. I had on some light jeans um, and some shoes. And I'm running out the door. And my mom, her head, like, does an inspector gadget and it comes all the way from outside of her bedroom around by the door and she's like, where are you going? So I'm about to go to this, this job interview. She said, not dressed like that you aren't. I said, oh no, no, mom, Jeremy went, and Jeremy's white, by the way. Oh, I shouldn't say his name, but my friend was white, by the way. <laughs> um, and I said, no, no, he went and he said, you know, it's cool, it's, it's relaxing. She's like, well, David, he's white. And it was almost like in that split moment as I was getting dressed, I forgot everything that I had been taught. Like, yeah. you can't, like, the rules don't aren't the same for you. Yeah. So I had to go back in, get a, a nicer polo, get some khakis and some 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 doc, dockers or whatever, whatever nice shoes. And then, and then I went, of course, I got, the, I got the job. But that's always stuck out to me in terms of, like, it's almost like if we're just to look at that, like, interviewing for a job. The process for someone who's black versus someone who's white is totally different in terms of the, the preparation stage. Mm-hmm. Like, I gotta make sure like I look well. You know, is my hair okay? Um, you know, I gotta make sure I, I have to avoid saying these words, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I have to walk a certain way, and it's just it gets to the point where it's it becomes a part of you. Like mm-hmm. I talked about subconscious racism, and almost you are almost pandering subconsciously because you feel like you have to be seen as a non-threat in order mm-hmm. just in order just to be seen just, yeah. to, just to kind of be in the space and, and for someone to even consider you um, so I think that's kind of where I don't want to speak for um, uh, black women in this instance but I think that may be where some of that that silent woman silent uh, black woman excuse me uh, stigma or feeling or anxiety comes from 
same time, that's what's so great about um, this moment we're living in, uh, because a lot of people have kind of said, I think, and a lot of people I've spoken to, a lot of black people I've spoken to, kind of said, you know, I'm just tired of it. Like, yeah. I, I can't, like, it's, it's literally exhausting. Mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore, so I'm just going to be me. Um, and in 2020, <laughs> like, I shouldn't have to pretend anymore. Like, I'm just going to be who I am. And any company worth their weight in gold, like, should want someone to be authentic yeah. be themselves. And it not, shouldn't be about necessarily what you see in the shell. It's about my abilities, my personality, my intelligence. Like yeah. That's the stuff that really matters, not how you have your hair worn. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, how you walk. So it's it's um, it's definitely tough in a, in a corporate sense. Um, but, you know, Jessica and I, have we've had a number of conversations this week um, just really doing self-reflection and like how she said she, she's kind of beating herself up about situations she's found herself in the past where she could have spoken up and we've really kind of had to ask ourselves tough questions like we've allowed certain people like certain friends we have see us a certain way because we, we've allowed them to yeah. because we've presented a, like only 45% of ourselves mm -hmm. as opposed to our, our full selves we've tempered our personalities, everything that comes with being a black person in America, everything that comes with just being who you are in, yeah. in, in actuality, because we want to fit in. We don't want someone to feel threatened by us. You know, we don't want to have those awkward moments when you're at a function and you're the, the one drop of chocolate, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the crowd. And, you know, it's, it's you just rather not have that, that interaction. You'd rather not deal with that. So you just kind of suppress yourself. So we hold some blame in that. And, you know, we kind of equally, she, she led the front on it. She said, I'm not going to stand for it anymore. And as she was talking and, and just really just opening up, it allowed me to do the same. And, you know, we just kind of decided as, as a married couple and one, and especially, you know, two people who have two young, young daughters who are looking up to us and expecting us to kind of set the tone, you know, that's not something we're willing to do anymore. Um, so... Um, it's definitely unfortunate that we've we found ourselves being that way, being silent. Um, but I think what's one thing that's uh, encouraging about this moment that's kind of captured the world is that people are kind of just standing up. And black people are standing up and saying, you know, we're not willing to be, not willing to suppress ourselves anymore. Like we are bold, we are beautiful, we are everything. And, but yeah. you all are going to have to accept us for who we are. We're not pandering anymore. And I just think that's. Um, I do want to, like, speak to marriage, per se, um, even though you all both have different backgrounds. But I honestly, I admire your marriage because mine obviously is very different because I'm married to a white man. <laughs> um, so I'm almost, it's not, and I, I guess I want people to understand, like, just because we married outside of our race doesn't mean that we got it all figured out or that we're beyond um, stereotypes or, or whatever. I mean, there are still a lot of things that I have to correct my husband on. And it's not that he doesn't know or that he's being um, of, ignorance. of ignorance. It's just like he's in his bubble. He doesn't know because he hasn't had to experience it just um so i guess what do you appreciate about being in a black marriage yes dear do I? what do you appreciate <laughs> so it's it's complicated there's there's a no it's not complicated there's a complexity because mm -hmm. we're in a defaulted black marriage mm -hmm. technically we're in a multiracial marriage yes technically because david is black american i'm african-american um, so we come from two different perspectives. I, I love my black husband. Um, and as I'm sure a white woman loves her white husband, Asian, whatever. Um, I appreciate the security. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the security I have from my husband. I think I had a lot, growing up, I had a lot of bias towards Af black Americans mm -hmm. because my parents are African. They're from 
a, a, an English colony, so there's a perspective that thankfully I'm very grateful has changed that the African has on the black American and that they also have on the Caribbean American um, or just Caribbeans in, in general. So Africans had a tendency, and some still do, of looking down on black Americans. Mm -hmm. And the same goes to Caribbean Americans. So, you know, and that is a whole nother conversation. So I appreciate my husband because I had to, he stood by and helped break a lot of stereotypes that even I walked in. Mm -hmm. And I, when you look at me, I'm a, a black woman. No one's going to mm -hmm. be like, no oh, one's gonna know. Like, yeah. look at those features. That is an African-American woman. No, that you look at me, I'm a black woman. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate my husband in our marriage that he has been able to, like I'll, I've said some stuff and, I, and he's raised an eyebrow like, girl, <laughs> but he's, he's, he stood by me and he's, he's, um, he's taught me to appreciate a black relationship. Um, because I think our society has made us think that, you know, black men aren't good. They're not, they don't, they don't stay around there. You know, you've got so many single black mothers, but even that, the numbers of that are skewed. My husband has taught me that there are good men of all, of all races. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed with the, with the man that I have. I've been blessed to watch him grow. Um, and it's been a lot of growing um, for him to be for him to be the man that he is today. Um, but you know, just the way he carries himself as a black man, mm -hmm. where you know he 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 speaks well. He is educated. He when there's something that intrigues him, he researches it. Mm -hmm. He learns about it. Now that is. And that's beneficial to me in many ways because when I get interested in something, I just start talking about it. Like, oh, you know, I saw a Facebook article link. I just read the link title. I didn't actually read the article. <laughs> but if I talk to him about something, he will have done research. He, oh, you know, I've read this article in the New York Times. He has given me so much perspective. He, being married to him, has made me appreciate myself as a black woman. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have gained so much respect for myself through him so much respect for the black culture, for black Americans because of him. So, you know, our, our marriage is not perfect, but it's not, and I, this contradicts itself, but it's not flawed either. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the partnership we have because now we've created two people and we're on one accord in terms of the type of women we want to put into the world. Yeah. So granted, you know, the only thing we really feud about is we don't want them to date till they're 40. And I'm like, dude, you married somebody's daughter when she was 24. Um, I love the passion we have about being involved parents and, you know, not living up to stereotypes of, of what black parenting is. And I, I appreciate the time that we're in that we can encourage our daughters and pour into them. And I love seeing him as a father and, and how he, you know, our four-month-old, she's just, you know, she's just kind of here. But our four-year-old, you know, him engaging her and complimenting her and, and embracing how, how sharp she is and, and sassy she is. And as an African, with African parents, there are things my daughter has said to him that I'm like, Lord, if I had said that to my dad, I'd be on the first plane back to Ghana. But there's a different understanding and a different patience that he has. So, you know, I, I really do, like, this is the person I'm supposed to be married to mm -hmm. now. I give him a hard time. I hold him to a very high standard. I'm not easy on him at all. And even sometimes I'm like, all right, Jess, you know, like, like take it easy on him. But he always meets or exceeds that expectation. And 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 there's just a there's just a masculinity that this this man has that is just you know I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. Just, you just you just ruffles me. Look, I need you to have a song. Twenty more podcasts. <laughs> Is she I'm hyping here, you up? Any of these words <laughs> so I need you to come around a little bit more often. Well, our quote for today is by Gandhi. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. Um, thank you for joining us today. I hope that you got more insight into the mind of someone else who might not be like you. And I hope that your heart um, is open and um, that you are willing to help our nation move forward. Let me say a prayer for all of us today. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this world and in our lives. God, help us to keep our focus on you. We are all your children. You love us all. Um, Help us to learn how to put our needs aside and our ways of thinking aside to um, be there for our brothers and be there for our sisters and to ask what can we do and join in in uplifting your children. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. If you liked today's episode, hit the like and subscribe button. You can find us on Instagram at Married and Having Fun. We'll be sharing cute photos of our husbands and all the things about marriage. Till next time, keep having fun.